This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. So apparently, an actress in London, Abby Bella, has now said that she is in love and having a relationship with an alien. She's hot for a sextraterrestrial. <laughs> yes, she wants to have a sextraterrestrial encounter. Now, I believe that it's already happened. Well, you know what? Let's let Miss Bella tell you. Hi, I'm Abby Bella. I'm an actor and creator, and I'm in love with an alien. I do some skits on Instagram. I was making a lot of jokes about aliens, and I started saying that it would be so fun if uh, you could date aliens because Tinder is so terrible. And I kept on, like, joking about it and, like, leaving my window open at night, and it was just, um like a weird like little perky thing that I did and I didn't realize that it would like get the aliens attracted to me right to me telepathically and uh just under two weeks ago uh it I saw the UFO outside of my room outside of my window oh my gosh I had an encounter and that's how I met them it was uh one alien the alien that I'm dating and his crew on and his there. crew good I realized that he was the one, um, just telepathically as well. Like, I could feel it. Right. I could feel when I first encountered him. There was, like, all this love and light around him, and it just felt like we almost knew each other from, like, a different life or a different galaxy. <laughs> the right. for me and my alien partner, um, I don't know what's going to happen. We'll probably have to uh, either keep it, like, I all guess, a right. long distance relationship, or eventually I would have to go visit them in their galaxy. Oh, no, 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 no. Well, as long as it's, a, you know, a fine, healthy relationship. I know you became so sick of humans and you want to normalize interspecies relationships. So good luck, Abby. I mean, there's no age limit on love. There's no gender on love. It's just love, isn't it? Why, yes. Yes, it is. Welcome. Welcome to Chewing the Fat. For those of you listening live today on the 24th of June, 2021, welcome to Chewing the Fat. Did you happen to see the 12-story residential building partially collapsed in Southern Florida this morning? Uh, I know. I know the Champlain Towers, South Condominium. It's in a small beachside town of Surfside. It's about six miles north of Miami Beach. Just amazing. It's got over a hundred units. They are. They've already said that uh, 45 people, including the 35 occupants who were rescued, were assessed and treated on site. Two of them were transported to the hospital. One has passed away since horrific situation uh, two were critical injuries while the third was in fair condition uh, 136 units in this building 55 of them collapsed on the northeast corridor wow they had about 80 rescue units there including technical rescue teams along with assistance from municipal fire departments just a, an amazing scene coming from that particular area. They don't know what caused it. Um, okay. If you haven't seen the pictures, you can go to my Twitter, at JeffyJFR. I posted, uh, posted a story about it, the latest update. And I had a couple of guesses, just uh, you know, thoughts from me, what caused it. Because they say right now, the cause of the collapse was unknown. Just a guess from me? Perhaps? I don't know. A weight limit issue? No? Meth lab, maybe? Although no one reported an explosion. So we'll see what uh, what was the actual cause. It was built in the 80s. 
So it still should be sturdy. I mean, I don't know how it's gone through a number of storms and it, it may have had some structural damage that they were neglecting or overlooked by inspectors. I don't know. We'll see. But you can bet that the investigation will be uh, very thorough on this because uh, nobody, <laughs> nobody wants buildings collapsing in their cities, especially here in America. Come on now. Um, we are. Uh, looking more and more like we are turning into a third world country. Just a thought. I mean, a building collapses. Rubble is there in a city. The day before, the president of the United States pretty much threatened the American people. So, hey, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. We got some sad news yesterday that the John McAvee is dead. Uh, I talked to John um, multiple times. There was an interview, I think episode 52, here on Chewing the Fat. And uh, it's a fascinating interview. It's a big guy interview. John uh, talks uh, talks with big guy language, but you, you know, you're more than welcome to go back and listen to it. It's pretty incredible. The guy was, uh, the guy was a very interesting man. John David McAfee, British-American computer programmer, businessman, two-time presidential candidate. (laughs) Born September 18, 1945, Cinderford, United Kingdom. So, I, you know, I was going to give you the full retrospective of John. I can just tell you that John McAfee, dead. At the age of 70. I mean, I saw one story that talks about McAfee being 75 years old, but he was born in 1945 and in September. So that means that this year, 2021, in September, he would have been 71, right? I mean, I'm not that great at math. I'm just telling you what the numbers add up to be from me anyway he uh he was uh you know committed suicide in a barcelona prison this uh came uh after the spanish court authorized his extradition to the united states on tax evasion charges so i mean i know that his you know he's an antivirus software pioneer he died by hanging He had nine months in prison, and I didn't realize that he'd been in prison for nine months in Spain. I bet you that was fun, especially after being on his boat forever. That's when we talked to him last, when he was on his mega yacht. Yeah, it wasn't a boat. It was a mega yacht. Although, I looked at some of his videos when he was telling people how to mix drinks, and he had some weapons confiscated down in the Caribbean, and it didn't look like a mega yacht. It just looked like a big boat that's what a mega yacht is jeff oh okay no problem he said at one point that he had fathered at least 47 children (laughs) lived in belize for several years and that's where he got in trouble about possibly murdering a neighbor (laughs) they ultimately said he was not a suspect Uh uh-huh okay and then he said he met his wife janice when she solicited him as a prostitute while he was on the run, whether that was true or not. I mean, that's, that's what he said. And uh, he was, uh, he's just a strange cat. He's just a strange cat. You can, you can quote me on that. He's just a strange cat. And he's said multiple times that he would not commit suicide. His wife warned that authorities were determined he would die in prison in a Father's Day message. When was Father's Day? Oh, yeah, just a couple of days ago. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I want to believe that, you know, you you love the conspiracy theory stuff, but do you think that after, you know, saying you would never commit suicide, you would never commit suicide, that... You're going to be extradited back to the United States after being in a Spanish prison for nine months. 
and you're going to go on trial and everybody, you know, believes you're guilty and you, do you have the strength left in you to fight? And you know that if you do commit suicide and just end it, that no one will think that it was a suicide because you've said all this time that you would never commit suicide. So anyway, John David McAfee dead. Rest in peace, John. Did you see where Microsoft is now valued $2 trillion? I know. I guess congratulations are in order, I guess. So they're the second U.S. company to reach the lofty valuation of $2 trillion ever. Really, I mean, Apple was the first American company to reach $2 trillion, which I believe they say they're at $2.2 trillion now. And Saudi Aramco was the first one that passed $2 trillion. I don't know if they're still there now, but uh, that's not an American company. So anyway, uh, Microsoft now worth $2 trillion. Speaking of Microsoft, did you see where they helped uh, write the antitrust legislation? <laughs> There's apparently a whistleblower document that Thomas Massey, Congressman Massey, said he had in his possession and that they helped write the one of the bills. Huh, that's incredible how that would happen. Now, of course, they're saying uh, that we did not seek to be excluded from the bills that were in there. What do you mean? Oh, well... Under the new bill, <laughs> you know, changes made to that legislation, Microsoft would have been exempt from regulations. <laughs> That's it, though. And it's funny how they were able to to know and have the antitrust legislation before the bill was going to be passed so that they could make the changes. And, of course, they would say, oh, what are you talking about? We were never seek to be excluded from the bill's. Uh-huh. Sure. No problem. I don't know what made me think of uh, ExpressVPN, but there's no doubt. Uh, big tech and the far left have joined forces to purge America of conservative views. There's no question about that. We talked about the story yesterday that they just locked the account down. Have a nice day. Oh, and then they decided... You know, after, I, I forget how long they let let it come back, but we've seen time and time again, unless you have a big enough, big enough conservative view, you're locked out and you're done. Have a nice day. I see, uh, I see it all the time. And in fact, I see my followers drop every day. It's incredible. I think I'm at the point now where they're not going to let me get any bigger than I am right now. On the social media account. Uh, weight is another issue. So why exactly are we choosing to give these big tech companies all of our personal data? I have no idea. The battle lines, uh, they've been drawn. And big tech has made it clear which side they're on. Now is the time to take a stance. Protect your personal data from big tech with the VPN I trust for my online protection. Express VPN. I can't tell you how good I feel. Well, I am going to tell you how good I feel. It's darn good when I see that ExpressVPN is logged on and working for me. See, every device, whether you're on your phone, laptop, or TV, has a unique string of numbers called an IP address, if you don't know that. When you search for stuff, watch videos, or even click a link, big tech companies use that IP to track all your activity and tie it back to you. Uh-huh. So when I use ExpressVPN, my connection gets rerouted through their secure encrypted servers so these companies can't see my IP address at all. My internet activity becomes anonymized and my network data is encrypted. The best part is you don't need to be tech savvy at all to use ExpressVPN. Just download the app on your phone or computer, tap one button, and you are protected, which I love because it's easy. Stop handing over your data to big tech companies whose aim is to censor you and to spy on you. Defend your rights. Protect your internet activity 
with the VPN I use every day. Visit expressvpn.com slash Jeffy. expressvpn.com slash Jeffy. E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash J-E-F-F-Y. You're going to get three extra months for free when you use expressvpn.com slash Jeffy. Go to expressvpn.com slash Jeffy right now to learn more. All right. We have got to talk about not being able to get people to work in restaurants even though they're paying a bunch of money. We've got to talk about the lost tuna in Subway sandwiches. And we have to talk about hashtag free Britney. But first, we've got to go to the break room because I need something cold to drink. You may as well get something cold for yourself. Go ahead, get that beverage you've been wanting, and let's take a drink together here in the break room, okay? Oh my gosh. I'm so glad I did that. That is good. All right. Hashtag free Brittany. Brittany told the probate judge that she wants to obviously end the conservatorship. She's been under it for 13 years now. She said, I've been in denial. I've been in shock. I am traumatized. I just want my life back. Wow. I mean, the case shows it's not easy to get out of a conservatorship in California. Critics have been all over this, man. The ACLU, they have said, we regard the legal process of conservatorship as extreme, opaque, paternalistic, and often unnecessary. They argue that the current conservatorship laws violates the civil rights of disabled people targeted for conservatorship. Wait, is Brittany disabled? Well, no. But she's an unusual example. And by the way, it's her. So we're going to put her on the pedestal like everybody else. But it's certainly helpful to have her there, isn't it? Yes, it is. Uh, Yes, it is. So the pop star's father, Jamie Spears, has had complete control over her finances, career, and personal life. Wow. That is amazing. And I know it was entered under her, you know, mental health crisis, but that's, that's something. Now, during the conservatorship, she's released four albums, grew her net worth to 60 million, held a four-year contract with Planet Hollywood and brought in about 138 million and was the fourth highest grossing Las Vegas residency. Ooh, okay. So we haven't done, we've done pretty good. We've made a little bit of cash. And of course, we've got, uh, you know, hashtag free Britney started a couple years ago. And we've got the uh, New York Times documentary framing Britney Spears, which introduced many viewers to the conservatorship arrangement and what can happen as they call what, you know, if it goes wrong. Now, she told the judge her conservatorship has prevented her from getting married, having a third child and that she's being barred from removing her IUD. She says she's been forced to work against her will. Eee, okay, but she's that's uh, generated a lot of cash that's uh, helping live the life you live, Brittany. She's required to live with the people she works with without privacy. And she compared her situation to sex trafficking. Okay, the attorney for her dad said he's sorry to see his daughter suffering. He has said in the past that the conservatorship is there to protect her from harm. All right. I mean, what else is he going to say? Her attorney, a court-appointed attorney, Samuel Ingram III, which I find a little strange, although I didn't find it strange enough to figure out why he's, you know, why she has to have a court-appointed attorney. Judge Brenda Penny was, uh, you know, heard all the, heard the arguments. And this is the first time that she's been in court, Brittany, since 2019. So the last time she spoke in court, all those documents are sealed and none of what she said became public. Although in today's world, it wouldn't surprise me to see all those sealed documents become public. Isn't that what we do now? Isn't that what we do? We make a deal and then we decide that deal isn't good anymore, but I digress. 
The judge's decision on whether to remove her father from his conservatorship role may depend on the input from medical and mental health professionals who have been assigned to assess the singer. And those assessments are not public record, so it's not clear whether or when those assessments have been made. Under California law, the person who is under conservatorship has to be regularly assessed by a doctor. So we'll see if hashtag free Britney comes to fruition. Wolfgang Puck, you know him, you love him. Famed chef Wolfgang Puck said he's having trouble finding employees to work at his restaurants. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, he said that some of his waiters, especially the ones in Beverly Hills, make 120000 a year and he can't find people to work there. He can't find people to work at his restaurant in Santa Monica. He can't find people to work in Beverly Hills. Okay. Uh, for 120 grand a year? Now, then you gotta live, right? And you're not living in Beverly Hills on 120,000 a year. Unless, maybe, you know, go out there and you say, Hey, Wolfie, why don't you hire me for 120 grand a year plus tips? And I'll find a garage, maybe, you know, something like it. Like, uh, like, uh, what's his face was doing to OJ, just living in the back house. That's what you do. You find somebody that you could just live in the guest house, right? What was his stupid name? Oh, look at me like that. Kato Kalen. Kato Kalen was living in the guest house. I can still see his stupid face on TV during the trial. Anyway, uh, back to Wolfie, you know, Chef Wolfgang Puck, uh, the Puckster. Uh, many of the industry workers did not come back to work. Uh, I wonder why. I wonder why. I mean, the restaurant industry has been, uh, you know, shut down. And so right now they claim that uh, filling 1.7 million fewer jobs than before the pandemic. Huh. I wonder why. I wonder why. And now, I mean, the jobs are available and nobody wants to do them, right? I mean, here in Texas, the one fast food chain, uh, Lane's Chicken Fingers... I love Lane's Chicken Fingers. The CEO, I've never been there, but I'm willing to try. He claims, Garrett Reed, and if he uh, you know, identifies as a he, I uh, will call him whatever he wants if he doesn't. They said they're shelling out $50,000 salaries, 50000 a year for teenagers and adults in their early 20s to manage its restaurants because they can't find qualified workers. There's a labor shortage. He's saying it's forced uh, his com- it's forced his company to stop growth because they can't find work, and they dish out large salaries for workers because uh, that's all we got. So we got to train them, we got to get them in those managerial positions. The biggest challenge right now is they can't grow, and it's, we're growing uh, we're growing at twice the rate if we had more people. Wow. And, you know, I mean, there's only so much you can pay, right? He said that uh, we're so thin at leadership that we can't stretch anymore to open more locations. I've got a, he said, I've got a good crop of 16 and 17-year-olds, but I need another year or two to get them seasoned to run the stores. And, I mean, job openings are through the roof, right? And we know that uh, this administration, and I'm not going to get political, I'm just going to remind you that this administration... And under President Joseph Robinette Biden, uh, you know, gave everybody more money uh, unemployment-wise and granted that additional 300 bucks in weekly unemployment aid. And everybody said, hey, that's kind of, why don't you just tell people to get back to work? Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. People, we need this. We were in a pandemic. So I could make, you know, six, $700 a week and I don't have to go in and do anything and I could just sit here in my house okay so that may have played a role maybe maybe played a role uh, you know what do I know what do I know so I see you know what I was oh, going to talk about Subway but I got me thinking about I'll, we'll get to Subway's tuna story just incredible but I was watching the story last night a documentary on Hulu called uh Donut King, and is about this guy who uh, you know what I'm just going to get his. Uh, I'll, we're going to talk about it tomorrow. The Donut King. It is amazing. If you have an opportunity, 
uh, if you're listening to this live of the 24th of June, 2021, watch Donut King on Hulu tonight, and then we'll talk about it tomorrow on Chewing the Fat, okay? Because it's incredible. I mean, it's you know what? I mean, it's just amazing. I watched the first half is really, really good. If you don't watch anything but the first half, you can get away with it, no problem. Because uh, the rest of it is kind of weird. So the Donut King is Cambodian, and he got run out of Cambodia days before it fell back in the 70s. And I, it was just amazing how, you remember, maybe you don't, I remember my grandfather, because I'm not old enough to remember in real life, in the 70s, it was all about the Cambodian refugees and how we were supposed to take these refugees. And this America is a land of immigrants. And we brought them in and we gave them schooling. It's way, I mean, they make the same argument today, only they don't do what we did back then. We brought them in. We, we went, they went through all the, all the, all the identification processes. And then we got them education. They had to be sponsored. We found a, found a place for them to live. It was amazing. And I found it amazing. There's one scene that shows, uh, president Ford offers $507 million to, for these refugees. And I thought 507 million. I mean, we spit at 507 million in today's <laughs> <laughs> you can't even buy a boat for $507 million. And amazing, there's footage of Governor Jerry Brown in California saying no to having these refugees in his state and paying for them because he's got people that are uh, taxed through the roof and out of work in California. Yeah, it's your state, Jerry. You're the one taxing them. But hey, he's talking about Americans need jobs first. Where did those people go? Wow. Uh, we are not the same America at all. So this guy brings, and I forget his name, but he's the donut king. And he br- he brings, uh, he comes to this country, right? Nothing. He, they sold everything they had. They got out of the country before it fell, before Cambodia fell. And uh, had like 3,000 bucks in his pocket. So this church sponsors his family and for a while they lived in the church and then the family brought them to their house a couple times a week to shower and the guy was working two jobs and he's helping with his family until he made enough money to find a place to live. And then he said he's he's working at this gas station, he's working two jobs, he's working at the church and he's working pumping gas. And he was working someplace else too. And he was working almost, he said he was almost working 24 hours a day. And, uh, you know, saving everything he could, but he was working at the one gas station and he looked across the street and there was a donut shop that was open and people were there. And he went over and he talked to the lady in the middle of the night and said, Hey, I have $3,000. Do you think I could, you know, buy a donut shop and, you know, do the business? And she told him, Hey, don't do that. Go work for this donut company, Winchell's Donuts, I think it, I think the name of it was, and learned the business. So he did. And then he started opening up and running these Winchell's and then decided, um, hey, dummy, why don't you open up your own stores? And he did. And he became, and he just kept opening up donut shops. It was incredible. And then he started sponsoring all these people, all these uh, refugees from Cambodia and he would uh, give them, take sponsor them and then have them run these donut shops and give them an opportunity to open and buy the donut shops. Uh, and gave them work and jobs. So all these donut shops were uh, his and then they, and then he turned it, turned them into theirs. And the reason a lot of them turned into theirs is because he create, had this great uh, gambling addiction. And they make him into this great guy. And he really was a great guy, but he had this gambling addiction. And then it's his fall from grace. And then it's his redemption at the end. The Donut King. So if you get a chance to watch it, it was just an amazing American dream story. Fall from grace and then redemption at the end. The Donut King on Hulu. Okay. Subway. (laughs) Subway is still in trouble over their tuna that's not tuna. So there was a reporter for the New York Times who decided, hey, I'm going to figure out uh, what's in this tuna and uh, I'm going to send the tuna to a lab and see what kind of DNA we can get. So for the report, she purchased 
60 inches of Subway tuna sandwiches from three different franchises across Los Angeles. And she noted that she removed the tuna from the sandwiches, froze it, then paid $500 for analysis from a third-party commercial food testing lab to conduct the PCR test and they wanted to determine the composition of the food. And the lab said, eh, you know, we're already wary about the challenges of identifying a fish that's been cooked, mixed with mayo, frozen, shipped across the country, but, you know, we'll do the test. So, they did the test. The te- they tested the fish over a period of 30 days and determined that, hmm, you know what? We can't find any tuna in here. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, there's no tuna in here. We don't know. In fact, we can't identify the species. So, we don't know what to tell you. We just know that... Uh, Based on the results, we know that it's heavily processed. So when we pull out, we could make an identification and we're not sure there's, that there's any tuna at all. Plus we don't know, you know, we also know that the properties make it difficult to know if it's tuna once it's pulled away. Plus the seafood list, which was compiled by the U S food and drug administration defines 15 different species of fish that can be labeled as tuna. Oh, okay. So there's a lawsuit, a class action lawsuit against Subway. I feel like we talked about the class action lawsuit when it first started going on, uh, claiming that no tuna in Subway tuna offerings. And so now they're questioning whether the product is skipjack or yellowfin tuna as the company has previously insisted. So in a new filing, their complaints centered not on whether Subway's tuna was tuna at all, but whether it was 100% sustainably caught skipjack and yellowfin tuna. Oh, okay. Which then gets you into illegal fishing and where the defense of Subway said, uh, you know, hey, it's tough to recognize what fish is. You know that. The farther you get away from the bone, you don't know what it is. We see the fish on the bone, the skin intact. We say, yeah, it's the kind of fish it is. But you drop the head and the tail off. And the next thing you know, you don't know what you're doing. You take the skin off. You take the bone off. You cut it into slices. Yeah, you don't know what it is. (laughs) You work for the tuna mob now? Yes, that's what I do. I work for the tuna mob. Yeah, you take the head off. You take the tail off. I cut the skin off. You don't know who it is. Okay. No problem. So we'll see. Uh, We'll see what happens with the subway deal. Really funny. But it's not good. I mean, that's not good for for subway. Right? I mean, no way. They've got to fight this because, oof, you start saying, hey, come and eat our tuna sandwiches, and then it's not tuna? Ooh, no. No, honey. No, 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 no. Maybe, maybe you just need to, I don't know, cook stuff at home. And that's what I'm going to talk to our next guest about cooking stuff at home and what you should actually eat at home. I know, I know, I know. Health. So the other day I was talking to you about segmented sleep and, you know, rather than the eight hour plan. And I mentioned this book, the what to eat when cookbook. And I mentioned the plan about uh, the when way eat only when the sun is up, eat more early, less later. And I wanted to talk to someone about that. And I got Dr. Michael Krupain, who is a co-authored the book the what to eat when cookbook doc thanks for joining us on chewing the fat today how in the world are you sir i'm doing great thanks for having me so i was uh looking i love the idea of eat only when the sun is up and obviously you're talking about eat more early and less later so you're talking about uh eating like uh, the kings in the morning and then uh you know the worker bees in the afternoon and the paupers in the evening right yeah, that's right. I also like to say, uh, eat dinner, uh, eat breakfast with your family, eat lunch with your friends, and give dinner to your enemies. <laughs> that's great. So, what gave you, uh, what gave you guys the idea of uh, putting this together? Well, you know, it all started with the science, and we really dug into the science of uh, 
the circadian rhythm and found that there is a lot of data there, especially in animals and more coming out in humans all the time. And whether your circadian rhythm is your body's clock and its job is to make your body run efficiently, to get your body to do the right thing at the right time. Right. And we've all heard of our circadian rhythm for sleep, as you were alluding to before, but it actually regulates every part of our body so that our metabolism actually changes throughout the day. And it's the circadian clock there. It sets your metabolism up to be most efficient at eating during the day while the sun is shining and expects you to fast at night when the sun goes away. In fact, your body is primed to process carbohydrates in the morning as it's and in the day as its primary fuel source and then burn fat at night. And so if you eat in sync with the circadian rhythm, you get these health benefits. And if you eat against it, you potentially are going to start gaining weight. Right. And, and believe me, I know that. <laughs> uh, I'm well aware of that <laughs> gaining weight part of that, that, uh, that plan. So um, you put it together. One of the things that uh, I find interesting that is something that I think needs to, you know, obviously for me, needs to be, you know, driven into your brain and, and not go away is how important it is to plan, prep, and then have it in front of you so you don't have to think about it. We often think that, uh, you know, we, we, I like the idea of having the, you know, wearing the same suit every day so that you don't have to think about it and kids wear uniforms to schools so they don't have to think about it they just get up and that's what they wear to school we really should be thinking about that with the way we eat right yeah well we should definitely be planning because i think where we run into trouble is the world we live in we're surrounded by choices that are not the best for our health right so it's always easy to grab a donut or a pastry or something or a burger right. or something maybe that's not so great for us it's not so easy to find that uh healthier snack. And so it helps if you can plan ahead a little bit. Um, if you can cook the night before uh, and have something ready for you the next day, or even just following our principles, I, I think it's interesting. You know, the first principle is you mentioned already is eat more early and eat less later and eat with the sun. And when you do that, your appetite actually changes. So if you have a, a nice uh, hearty breakfast and you have a planned lunch, you're not going to be so hungry later in the day when uh, sort of uh, most people might start snacking and looking for something that, to satisfy that craving, you're going to be full. And so just eating the way we recommend is going to help you with that. And if you plan those meals, it'll make it even easier. So really uh, a big push uh, of late is the, uh, you know, what's called intermittent fasting. And it's similar to what you're uh, talking about in, with the when way. But uh, with it seems that that is uh, something that our bodies are now we're finding out that's what we need to do. Right. It's not the uh, 80 small meals a day. I mean, some of us have 100 small meals a day, but uh, it's not the 80 <laughs> meals a day. But it's better to uh, do, as you've said. Right. I mean, when the sun is up, eat when it's dark, don't. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people uh, trying intermittent fasting now. There's lots of different ways to do it. It's become kind of trendy, but the way we recommend it, we think is the is the ideal way. Right. Um, and there's two things about that. There's there's two things. It's, it's not just about the when. It's also about the what. And that's why we call the book What to Eat When. Right. Because you want to eat the right foods, <laughs> and you want to eat them at at the right times. And a lot of people are sort of make dinner their, the way they do fasting is they don't eat all day, they starve themselves, and then they eat a huge dinner. You know, that can work for you, um, but over time it's probably going to catch up with you and, and it's better to sort of shift it to the way we're, we're suggesting based right. on uh, the literature that exists. Well, one of the things that you did with the uh, What to Eat When cookbook is you also provided uh, plenty of uh, uh, options. And, uh, you know, there's pictures and recipes for things that will help you get through the day that's better for you than that donut. That's right. And, and you know, the third principle of eating the when way is to not stereotype food. And that means, I you know, we're asking that. you to. Yes. Yeah. We're asking you to eat a bigger breakfast and lunch. But that doesn't mean we're asking you to eat a bigger bowl of cereal and more pastries. We want you to take those foods that you might traditionally think of as dinner foods and don't stereotype them as dinner foods, eat them for breakfast or lunch. It's okay to have a piece of salmon for breakfast or a bowl of 
whole grain pasta for breakfast. Is or it a, is it a, a problem? Is it a problem breakfast. that I have the spaghetti from last night for breakfast? <laughs> no, that's a that's a great choice, actually. Yeah, except that that's, I had this, except uh, I was funny. supposed to have that. Uh, you know, when the light when it's still daylight out and not nighttime but i i'm a fan of that yeah. i've been a long time and we've been really over the years trained to to you know feel bad about eating like that oh yeah well actually the eating pasta for breakfast is one of my favorite things uh and what's really cool about eating pasta for breakfast is if you cook it the night before and you put it in the refrigerator and cool it off and eat it cold the next day uh a you've saved yourself some time in the morning when most of us are really busy right and b the starch that's in pasta that's just basically sugar, some of it, when it cools, turns into something called resistant starch. And resistant starch acts more like fiber in your body than like sugar. So it's actually a little bit better for you than if you ate it hot. That's great. We're talking to uh, Dr. Michael Krupain, who uh, co-authored with uh, uh, Dr. Michael F. Rosen and uh, Jim Perko, the book, The What to Eat When Cookbook. And uh, I love, uh, it got me thinking about, we were talking about it the other day, as I was talking about segmented sleep, it got me thinking about the when way. So what's your favorite part of the What to Eat When Cookbook, Doc? Oh, my favorite part. My favorite part is all the recipes. Don't back back in. It's the entire book, Jeff. Yeah, <laughs> I love this book. And then, uh, you know, as as I was thinking about talking to you today and I was looking through the book to find my favorite recipe, I was reminded of all the wonderful things in there. Right. Um, but I think r- right now the thing that's ca- calling to me at this moment is the uh, snap pea and strawberry salad <laughs> because those two things are in season at the moment. And I went strawberry picking uh, a couple weeks ago. And I picked a ton of strawberries and snappies are are fresh now at the farmer's market. And it's a super simple dish. You just blanch the snappies and cut them up. You cut up the strawberries. You toss them together with a little salt, a little mint, and a little olive oil. And it looks beautiful because it's green and red. And it's refreshing and delicious So and totally in season at this moment. So when you were putting this book together, did, did you have, uh, you know, another thousand recipes that hit the cutting room floor? Um, there's some recipes that hit the cutting room floor, but we really all might think the vast majority of this book were created just for this book. And so we tried to get them all in, but I'll tell you, writing this cookbook was really hard for me. I love to cook. I cook every day. Um, but getting the recipes to be perfect and cookbook worthy was uh, quite a labor of love and effort and didn't, didn't want anyone to be disappointed. So everything. Delicious made into the book, but yeah, there were some things that <laughs> just couldn't couldn't get. Well, I mean, enough. you have uh, you have what uh, at least 135 recipes in the book, and uh, I really, yep. you guys, uh, I you know the the photos of the food actually make one hungry. But I love the uh, I love the when way, and uh, especially the uh, eat only when the sun is up and eat uh, more early then late the what to eat when cookbook with dr michael Krupain and his uh, co-authors thank you doc i appreciate you joining me i just wanted to have a quick uh, quick shout out with you as i was uh, talking about you earlier this week and i appreciate your time yeah thank you so much so there you have it the what to eat when cookbook we talked about uh, earlier this week on chewing the fat and remember you can get all the information at uh, whenway.com Randy Levy, a Pennsylvania public high school student, didn't make the varsity cheer team way back in 2017. She posted the uncensored version of F school, F softball, F cheer, F everything to her Snapchat. And the school banned Levy from cheer for a full year. And her uh, dad got the ACLU involved, claiming that the school violated her First Amendment rights. I mean, really, could we take this to the Supreme Court because this girl says on Snapchat, F school, F softball, F cheer, F everything. All right, fine, let's go. So the court ruled, the Supreme Court ruled on this case. Eight to one in favor of her. No kidding. Really? I mean, come on. They uh, cited a case from 1969, Tinker 
v. Des Moines, stated that schools can punish on-campus speech that disrupts the work and discipline of the school, but the rise of social media has thrown that ruling for a loop. Not really. Uh, She wasn't on campus, and it didn't disrupt any of the work or discipline of the school. So let's move on. Oh, wait. The school said that uh, she didn't bully anyone or poster frustrations during school. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, I have to be a di- Supreme Court justice to figure that one out. She has the right to be an angry queen, or an angry. She has the right to be an angry, angry queen. But they said she had the right to be an angry teen. Whatever, whatever they want to say. <laughs> they also ruled that the agency that oversees Fanny and Freddie. You know, the Fannie and Freddie Mac deal that uh, oversees $11 trillion in mortgages. Yeah, the Freddie, uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac deal. Yeah, that, uh, that agency that oversees them, unconstitutional. So I guess that means President Biden gets to replace the agency's head uh, with someone of his choosing, I, I guess. Uh, or maybe we just disband the whole damn thing. Everybody's mortgage is done paid for we're gonna move on (laughs) that would not surprise me at all and uh, we also ruled on a case about warrants all right the police will sometimes need to get a warrant to pursue fleeing suspects into their homes oh so they ruled that unless there is an emergency emergency Police must evaluate on a case-by-case basis whether the officers need a warrant before pursuing an individual suspected of committing a minor offense into his or her home. I don't know that this does any good, this ruling. Um, the, The justices were unanimous in the result, but differed on the reasoning. So they said the flight of a suspected misdemeanant does not always justify a warrantless entry into the home. An officer must consider all circumstances in a pursuit case to determine whether there was a law enforcement emergency. That's what Justice Kagan wrote. I, I don't think they do that already. I mean, that's what we expect out of our police officers now. On many occasions, the officer will have good reason to enter to prevent uh, eminent harm of violence, destruction, or of evidence, or escape from the home. But when an officer has time to get a warrant, he must do so, even though the misdemeanant fled. So the lower court decision had held that no warrant was ever required in such a circumstance, which, you know, they obviously were using. This all stemmed... uh, from a 2016 highway patrolman who saw a car playing loud music and honking its horn for no reason. So what, mister? This this actually ticks me off, this story, and I'm glad that it it got thrown out. But uh, the officer followed the car that was being driven by this Arthur Lang and believing, believing he may have committed a noise infraction. Okay, thank you, Mr. State Highway Patrolman. Uh, He... Pulled in as he pulled into his driveway, the officer activated his lights. But Lang was in his driveway, he's pulling in his driveway, so he didn't stop and instead pulled into his own garage and attempted to shut the door. The officer put his foot in front of the garage door sensor and forced the door to reopen and entered the garage, pursuing Lang and failing to stop when the police lights flashed. Well, okay. So now the officer is questioning him about his actions and seeing signs that Lang was intoxicated. He makes him take a sobriety test and Lang later was charged with driving while intoxicated. Okay, now that's enough. And they they wanted to suppress the evidence against him. And I, I tend to agree with that as well. Now, Lang's attorney in the Supreme Court, and I want to be go on record here, is that uh, it wasn't me. All right. I know that it says Lang's lawyer, Jeffrey Fisher. (laughs) Uh, you know, he's maybe he's, uh, telling people he's me. I don't know, but he's going by the same name that I have. And it's kind of ticking me off. I looked him up, uh, you know, on LinkedIn 
and he's uh, Jeffrey L. Fisher, so he changed the middle initial, but you know, he's just trying to trying to be me, I guess. But he uh, <laughs> he told the justices that the lower court decision was wrong because the governmental interest in investigating minor offenses is not always or even usually strong enough to support home entries unsanctioned by judicial officers. Only concrete emergencies allow a warrantless entry. Otherwise, police have the option of knocking on the door, which, you know, he could have done it. The guy didn't have to answer it. Get off my property. I'm pulling into my own garage. But instead of this. So, I mean, they just, they kind of throw it back at you again. There's, uh, there's a number of things that the Supreme Court has done. That they just kind of throw it back in your face again. And it becomes a little wishy-washy all over again. Uh, really, really, really strange. And one last thing out of Hong Kong today. The largest pro-democracy tabloid, Apple Daily, has printed its last issue. Uh, Have a nice day. Um, According to this, it was because Chinese authorities raided its offices, froze its assets, and arrested five executives, including the editor-in-chief. Yeah, that may have something to do with them, uh, you know, shutting down and not being able to print any more issues. (laughs) The founder has been in jail since last year for participating in a political protest, among other charges. Huh. Sound familiar somehow. Someone under a political protest being held in jail. Huh. Does sound a little familiar. The publication covered everything from celebrity gossip to politics and was known for being anti-government, irreverent, and a strong supporter of pro-democracy protests. Huh. That is so strange, isn't it? Radio Television Hong Kong, RTHK, good morning, Radio Television Hong Kong, was forced to swap its station head with a career politician with no journalism experience. Following uh, difficulties obtaining necessary work permits, the New York Times has now moved part of its Hong Kong office to Seoul. Huh. Wonder how that happens and uh the police have not ruled out the possibility of more arrests coming for other media huh that is uh that's interesting that's interesting isn't it thanks for listening to uh, chewing the fat we are for sure going to uh get into uh, how nasa is learning how to farm on mars and the moon and uh our cosmic black holes racist just a couple of things we'll be talking about tomorrow or the next episode if you're not listening live on the 24th of june would be the 25th of june but if you're not listening on one of those days then it's the so next time just listen to them all every show chewing the fat you know you're going to just listen to them all okay all right (laughs) 